Ghost note is a note that's played, but goes unnoticed, like so much of the work behind the music before it hits our eardrums. I'm Hannah Copeland. Join me for in-depth, honest, and unpredictable interviews of Kansas City's music makers, plus new music happenings to put on your radar. It's all on Ghost Notes via the Fountain City Frequency Network. I had a dream, I saw the tenements deserted Penniless, discouraged, American streets burning Tell me what to fear when the death of we is certain Eat, drink, merriment, the peril of an urgent Power in the blood, brick and mortar. Marty Hillard is a hip-hop artist from Topeka, Kansas. He formed the group Ebony Tusks in 2010. About two years later, Daniel Smith joined the group as a DJ, along with supporting vocalist Nathan Gisicki. While Nathan, or Geese, was running lights for the Lawrence band Thieves, that's when they met. Marty joins us today on Ghost Notes, recorded at KCUR 89.3 Studios. Welcome, Marty. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Weathered and expressionless, insatiable and man. Concession in the heart for what the face can ever man. running like a waterfall. How long have you been making music? I guess the earliest instance... Uh, would be uh, in 1994. Uh, as far as hip-hop is concerned, anyway, uh, Christmas Eve of 1994, I wrote my first rap. Um, my older brother, Dimitri, uh, was a really big fan of hip-hop. Uh, so I, I recall having hip-hop in my life from a very early age. And what was the first group that you were in, or band? Mm, well, yeah, speaking of my brother, uh, he and I um, had a Christian rap group called uh, DM in Effect. And we would uh, perform um, at our local church. And then I had like tons of other friends, whether it was through the church or like kids on my block that were really into uh, rap and hip hop music. So spent a lot of time freestyling and uh, battling different kids from all over the city and just writing raps and, you know, watching music videos, watching BT's Rap City, um, watching MTV jams, you know, just having yeah. having a, a real active interest in it. So. Does the Christian hip-hop, do you play with that at all anymore today that you started off with? No, no. And um, ultimately, on a personal level, it's not something that, that I would be comfortable with. Um, and then also, you know, out of respect to my bandmates and, and our, you know, our shared beliefs and our differing beliefs, you know, Christian hip-hop is definitely not a tag that suits us. Um, I definitely try to explore themes of, uh, faith and spirituality or even like a lack thereof um, you know in my music you know points you know that I'm struggling to understand certain things or memories that I have of growing up in a Christian household but you know I, I can't say in good conscience that you know that we're we're any type of a Christian or you know religious leaning project Hip-hop wasn't born in the Midwest, um, yet here we are. What what kind of things make hip-hop distinctly Midwestern for you? I would, I would definitely say... Um, I would definitely say... It's like two sides, two sides of a coin, because on the one hand, I can, I can say with confidence that there's a lot of camaraderie uh, that's born out of being an artist in the Midwest, period, you know, especially in hip-hop circles because there's so few of us 
that get to make this type of music for any considerable living. So you're spending a lot more time doing it because you love it and doing it with people that you grow to love. Um, and then, you know, the flip side of that coin, unfortunately, is that there is uh, there is a, a marked tension. I definitely think there's times where because of what we're doing sonically and lyrically and what we do in our performance, um, there's there's people who are really big fans of like hip hop culture in general that might not um, might not immediately gravitate to what we're doing, you know, because like I feel like we we exist on the fringe of the culture a little Why? bit. Uh, I, maybe maybe because we want to. I think. I, I think just for what for the type of sonic delivery and the type of vocal delivery that I'm into, I think it just, um, you know, some for some people that can be really repelling. For some people that can be really refreshing. that you selected Daniel Smith as your DJ not only because he has good beats but because he's a genuinely nice person absolutely and how important is that for you to have uh, bandmates that you love and respect uh, have relationships with paramount top of the list at this point in my life and that's one thing that uh, I'm really grateful to Daniel and Geese for is that you know throughout our our um are being in a group together. I've never felt like either one of them, you know, intentionally did anything to disrespect me or hurt me or make me feel, you know, any less than the person that I am. And um, that's for this project, especially because of how vulnerable I feel in what I'm writing and what I'm trying to get across. Like, that's very important. What makes you feel so vulnerable? Because lyrically, a lot of what I'm writing about are memories that are tied up into uh, personal childhood traumas, uh, things that are that can be difficult for me to revisit in casual conversation. Um, so it's it's much easier, you know, in this in this hip hop group, in this controlled environment. Can you tell me what songs specifically uh, relate to those childhood experiences that you talked about that are so difficult for you to deal with we've been performing a song called alpha dog for a while it's about um when my family lived in kentucky we were stationed at fort campbell my dad was in the army i want to say for about 17 or 18 years and he was deployed um in operation desert storm so he was overseas in iraq fighting the war um and i think what a lot of the parents and families who were left behind at that point in time realized that um, when my mother went to go look for more secure employment, um, she wasn't able to find it immediately. And um, my oldest brother had to make some hard decisions and pick up the slack on that as well. 
And I think just growing up in a military family, I think just a lot of the, um, a lot of kids tend to be a little more aggressive. I think like households tend to be a little more aggressive, or at least when we lived in Kentucky, um, you know, everybody's, everybody's family was like a little bit different, but you know, typically if you have like a military parent, like there's going to be some, some things that are very strict and rigid, (laughs) you know, and, um, so there's just like a lot of fighting on base. A lot of kids my age, a lot of kids even younger than me, they were just like fighting every day because a lot of us didn't know how to express ourselves emotionally. There was a young lady, um, I'm sorry, a a little girl, not uh, about my age who, um, her mother and her aunt pulled up their car in front of the duplex that we lived in and the little girl was having a seizure and she ended up dying on our front lawn. At the same time as this was happening, um, one of our neighbors, um, a mother with three sons, she was having like like a nervous breakdown and so an ambulance came to get her separate from this incident that was happening in my yard and this was all like wrapped up in one one summer afternoon and then all the kids in the neighborhood came around to ask me uh you know what happened like what you know and it was just so hard for me to like even articulate because like I hadn't I hadn't really confronted you know trauma to that depth or you know somebody dying like that you said that you hadn't you hadn't had a lot of death in your life until that point I noticed that phrase there I mean is is there an has has death been a, a big ish, you know, something that's happened? Have you had to experience that a lot since then? A lot of why Ebony Test started or why I started this project was in reference to a lot of my friends that have passed away. Um, one of the first verses that I wrote, you know, um, for this project was um, a remix of Kanye West's Amazing. Stick Figure asked me to do it and our buddy Josh Browning. Uh, recorded it at first he was just gonna have me like dub the the hook like the same hook that's on the Kanye song and and I was like okay yeah that's fine but then I decided like I really wanted to write a verse and you know I wrote like this 32 bar verse just top to bottom about our growing up in our neighborhood in central Topeka and um you know just some of the trauma that that we had undergone and you know some of the friends that we lost and getting bussed across town uh, to a middle to a middle school, you know, full of kids that didn't look like us and didn't talk like us and didn't necessarily um, appreciate us being in their school, um, just things like that. I just, I just that's what I felt compelled to write about, and it was obvious to me, you know, as far back as 2009. Like this is like this could be a really good outlet for me to get some of this some of this stuff that I've internalized out so you know I've, I've lost friends to suicide freak accidents you know kids in the neighborhood that you know have been shot by family members complete strangers you know kids that have committed murder um, you know people that I love people that I've lost like I, you know, I've buried so many of my friends you know and and it's just uh, you know, uh, um, um, spousal abuse. You know, just just a lot of things, and it, and it's like I think I think that's one thing that really gets misunderstood as it relates to hip hop. I mean, I think there's so many people who are so down on rap artists expressing some of these traumas that they've gone through because they say, well, you know, aren't you just glorifying it? Aren't you just giving it a platform? And I'm not gonna say that 
that's that's not what's happening some of the time. But I know for me and for plenty of other artists that I know, like a stick figure, you know, who's very introspective and very detail oriented about what he's experienced, that you know, this is just a part of a healing process. You know, this is like going to therapy for me. Like this is uh, this is a, a means for me to you know find find a way out of what I've internalized. How important is it for an artist, a hip-hop artist, to rap exclusively about what they have experienced? Is it glorification to rap about things they haven't experienced you know to rap about drugs guns and money if they've never been around that environment absolutely and even if you have i mean that can be glorification as well you know there's plenty of people that exploit things that they've been through or things that they haven't been through how does that make you feel i have mixed feelings about it because there because plenty of those same artists have brought the way that I rap to bear, <laughs> you know, I, I look at an artist like Rick Ross and, you know, a lot of people have, you know, held him through various lenses over the last 10 years. And Teflon Don is probably like one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time because of how vividly he's delivering these stories. Like, I don't know if he's writing those raps, but I know that he's, he's making those stories compelling enough for me to appreciate it from an artistic standpoint and then also giving dimension to these same characters that would normally you know just be you know be on the nightly news is just you know another typical thug you know I feel like he he he's giving you character and life and grace and pain and emotion um but obviously, it's very difficult for me as an artist to reconcile, um, you know. So I was on Twitter the other night just talking about violence against women and how rampant it is in American culture, period. And, of course, like, you know, hip-hop bears a responsibility to that as well. Um, you know, how prevalent it is among our artists and among our curators and among our practitioners and even outside of the music, like, you know, just the way that people talk about women, um, that's a very difficult thing for me to reconcile. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be more conscious of it, you know, as time goes on. Yeah. If you're ever writing a, you know, lyric about something that's not positive, you know, like violence about violence against women, obviously would be one of them. Mm -hmm. Do you, sometimes you talked about hip hop for you as therapy, um, you know, sometimes are you writing and you think, is this okay? Is this glorification or is this my, um, you know, my, my own personal therapy to help me work through this issue? Do, do you ever come to that line? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And I mean, the, we, we have a song that we put out back in 2012 called Cometh that's specifically just about violence among youth and violence in youth culture. Um, you know, kids that are, you know, actively violent or kids that, you know, just talk about violence all the time. And for me, um, it was it was still very important to talk about and bring together a greater point that like 
Um, even just a few years ago, I feel like in the hip hop underground, like with a lot of young artists, like death was like a really strong theme. Like uh, death was like an undercurrent of a lot of what kids were talking about just a few years ago. And so for me, this was me like looking at all of this content being produced and saying, okay, how can I speak to that in a way that actually like turns this on its ear? So for me, like the whole point of us writing this song was to um, remind everybody that, you know, you might glorify all these different situations, but they all lead to the exact same conclusion. And what's that conclusion? Death, <laughs> dying, <laughs> and 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 as glamorous as you might think it is, or you know, as fun as you might think it is to rap about, you know, um, you know, who's going to show up to your funeral, or like, you know, all the things that your friends should do in celebration of your death. You know, once you're gone, you're gone, and that's something that you need to take very seriously. You need to take your life more seriously, and you need to take the lives of others more seriously. Time, 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 time. I knocked his crown off, blew off his wife's cap, broke off his flat bill. I pushed them way back. I pushed them way back, way back, way back. I pushed them way back, way back, way back. I knocked his crown off, blew off his wife's cap, broke off his flat bill. I pushed them way back. I pushed them way back, way back, way back. I pushed them way back, way back, way back. So this is what you call composure Part of my comment, comment down soon it will all be over How we've extended heaven's grace on every fallen soldier In equal measure, know the beast expects proper closure Check the proverbial figure, some cases of permanent fixture And all this perversion and splendor On the list of gratuitous whispers Where death is a punch and aroma You tweet very actively Sometimes lately, <laughs> I mean, from what I've researched the last few days is sometimes all day, every day. Yeah. Um, at Ebony Tusks, if you're, yeah. if you're curious, Ghost Notes <laughs> listeners, a lot of those tweets are statements surrounded by asterisks. <laughs> and I'm just going to read a couple right now. Do it. <laughs> Starts a fitness challenge at work, gets mistook for a thug passerby security, is 45 minutes late to work. Mm. Asterisk. Next tweet. Asterisk. At one point was the future of rap shit, now works construction with his uncle and cousins and makes a good living. And the last one, calls therapy a thing for females and weak-minded individuals, cried himself to sleep last time he was off a pill. <laughs> so those are, what's going on? What are these statements surrounded by asterisks? It's all, it's all, it's all just, it's all humor-based. It's all humor-driven, exploring uh, tropes that are all too prevalent in hip-hop culture and shedding light on on the reality <laughs> who are these people uh no one in particular i mean i some of these people are, are people that i've met some of these people are me uh, some of these people are people that i've just seen in passing some of these people are people that you see on the cover of complex magazine every other month i mean it's Do just it's just it's just a lot of it's just people who a lot of what you see in social media, especially um, in hip hop culture, is a lot of people that live through phrases and mantras and memes. And that that's the only language that they choose to communicate in through social media. I'm going to wrap up with one question, kind of a story we talked about earlier. You retweeted uh 
stick figure and Dominique saying that they'd never <laughs> seen the movie Roots. Why'd you do that? No, 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 no. Um, just to clarify. Okay, yeah. so 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 Roots is undergoing a reboot, and um, the first episode of the the most recent miniseries aired the other night, and Stick Figure said that he didn't watch it, and I quoted him and retweeted that I didn't watch it, and then Dominico quoted me and retweeted that he didn't watch it either, and then we had like at least one other friend do it, and um, and I can't really speak to why why they decided not to watch Roots, but you know we we all grew up with Alex Haley's version, and we grew up with the original miniseries, and I had a lot of coursework in high school uh, related around African-American studies and African-American history, and I was a proctor in my high school library, so I was already reading um, a lot of different African-American authors. I was reading a lot of James Baldwin and Richard Wright and um, Toni Morrison, um, Langston Hughes, um, so many different writers, um, and when you talk about the the history of African-American writing, so much of what's prevalent, so much of what's seen as a watermark is stuff that came out like in the turn uh, uh, of the 20th century, like in the early 1900s through like 1950. Um, and so much of that writing was so, um, so grave, so stark, so, you know, deliberate in, in, in its reflection of black trauma in modern America. And it's something that outside of just, you know, reading books about it, I've, you know, in my 33 years of being alive, I'm already going through different instances, you know, microaggressions or trauma with police in my neighborhood or losing my friends to violence, um, things that aren't exclusive to the black community, but continue to affect us and afflict us, um, you know, even, even, uh, in generations today, uh, clearly, and there just comes a point in time where, you know, you fight or you 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 stand up and and you want your voice to be heard, and then other times where it's just like you just have to take a seat and just take a breath. And so for me, not watching, not watching this updated version of Roots is me just like taking a breath for a second, you know. All right. Bear club in the house, and y'all feeling it. Service, it's not at all what you think. Hey, emotionless, I wrote this in invisible ink. A dense poet who performs with an imperial grip. You can see Marty and everybody from Ebony Tusks on June 25th performing with, wait for it, Public Enemy at the Free State Festival. That's in Lawrence on June 25th. Doors are at 6.30 and it's outside between 9th and 10th Streets in Lawrence, Kansas. You can also catch The Hearts of Darkness there, Lincoln Marshall, and Midnight Martyrs. Secondhand King, one of our former Ghost Notes guests, is having his last performance ever of his 2014 concept album, Chuck. That is at the Mini Bar on June 17th at 9.30 p.m. And on July 15th, the day that Ghost Notes is... Coming back from our summer break, you can see Heavy Figs, Boot, and The Thunder Claps, a rocking evening at, again, the Mini Bar. That's July 15th at 10 p.m. 
So like I said, Ghost Notes is taking a brief summer intermission between now and July 15th, but we'll be right back on July 15th with a special Friday edition of Ghost Notes. Those will be coming out almost every Friday between the middle of July and the middle of August. So stay tuned for that. You can look for updates from us on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash fountaincityfrequency or our website, fountaincityfrequency.com. Ghost Notes executive producer is Matthew Hodap. Jamie Searle composed our theme music and Matthew Sullivan runs our website. I'm your host, Hannah Copeland. You can keep in touch with me about your upcoming events or anything you think about Ghost Notes. Send me an email to ghostnotespodcast at gmail.com. We record at KCUR 893 Studios. 